I mean, my original name, if you want to know, was Seth the Dick, the Dick Connoisseur. The, the Dick Connoisseur? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't go with that. I love it. And welcome back to another episode of Romance and the Monsters. I'm M. Hi, I'm S. I'm Seth. And today we are discussing Wicked Abyss by Cressley Cole. You guys, you guys, we're here. We are here. We have reached the end of our journey, our very, very long journey. Yeah. Almost a year in the making. <laughs> Can you believe that? It has, huh? Almost a year. Because we started posting in September, but we started recording way ahead of September. So technically, it probably has been a year at this point. I can't believe we finished our first series on the podcast. Can you put like little sounds, like little like fireworks? <laughs> Yay! We can clap for ourselves. <laughs> Congrats, girls. We did it. <laughs> Congrats. Let's pat ourselves on the back. All right. So, Wicked Abyss. Yes. What is it about, Seth? Last book in the series for now. Okay, for now, yes. Exactly, because we're waiting for Monroe and everyone else. Um, okay, so basically, uh, the story starts off with our fave Valkyrie, Nyx, telling everyone a fairy tale um, of Abyssian, who is a member of the Morrier, so like the bringers of doom. Um, he's king of hell, and it's between him and a fairy princess named Calliope, um, who yearns to just be a queen and like her dream is to become queen. Um, so we jump to Lila, which is Calliope. Reincarnated. Well, yes, it's a reincarnation story. So in her past life, uh, she was Kari or Kariana. I don't know how you say it. Let's go with Kari. Um, so I guess I'll just do a quick little rundown of that. So basically what happens there is Young little Abyssian meets his mate when he's 16 and things happen and he finds out that she obviously has, has no feelings for him whatsoever. She only used him for information about the demons and he's kind of the reason why the demons got enslaved by the fae people. Yeah, so he rightfully hates her and he doesn't have his horns anymore because he took them off because, not took them off, he brutally took them off from his head mutilated himself he mutilated himself yes she dies in childbirth because she marries some other fey king um and she gets reincarnated as lila and sorry we what happened what was i saying oh yes she works at disney world and uh she's working at cinderella which i love uh, while our hero um is kind of trying to acclimate to his new appearance with the hell curse that alters his appearance to look more like a person from hell so he's known as being this uber good looking guy that can get any woman by like just looking at them he's that hot um so now he's trying to get used to looking like satan basically he's got the horns he's got the red skin he's got the piercings everywhere he's getting more and more monstrous looking by the minute exactly and that's something called the hell curse which every leader of hell goes through this and the only way to um stop the change from happening or reverting back to what you look like before is to find the hellfire that's apparently what led everyone to this sorry not led everyone but led the origin i guess the original demon um to this plane this realm of sorts um anyways so the story starts off when Lila is approached by Nyx and her fiancé, Seth, who basically banished her when she was 12 because her parents kind of betrayed him and he killed them. Um, he comes to her with the opportunity to return to her much-loved kingdom and be the queen that she was promised. All she has to do is use Cian to get information about the Morier and betray him and we all know that that's kind of what happened with him and Kari in her previous life so it's kind of like history repeating itself um but what Lila doesn't expect to happen is fall in love with him um 
And yeah, that's just the setup of our story. But she's there to betray him. And obviously, he doesn't treat her kindly in the beginning because of how much she resembles Kari. And also, he just vowed to get revenge on her next life, her next incarnation of sorts. Can I just say before we get into, like, if we like the book or not, yeah. that I was so happy when I started this book just because when we read Bowen's book, Bowen and Mary Ketta, yes. I remember saying that it would have been fun if it had been an actual true reincarnation where your yes. past self is completely different and you don't like your past self. Um, but obviously that wasn't the case in that book because it turns out it was all a lie and... Mary Catta was his mate all along. But here, we do get that where it's like the old version of Lila was not a great person. She was kind of evil and did, you know, terrible things to her boy scene. And so I loved that I got to see that because I was like, that's a cool concept to explore. Because, like, why would every reincarnation of yourself be a good person necessarily or someone you would like to be? You know, that's... You, you, li- you live a different life every time, so why shouldn't that change how you are as a person, you know? Um, but anyway, how did you like the book? Yes, you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I didn't hate the book. Ooh, that's not a great way to start. <laughs> I, I didn't hate the book. <laughs> but I didn't love it. But I definitely didn't like it. <laughs> Exactly. Um, oh, it took me it took me a, a long time to get into it. I feel like it was kind of slow in the beginning. Um, okay. And I don't think I was hooked until maybe past 75%. Oh. Yeah, like it took where I was, I was just listening and um, I was like, okay, like when's the good stuff going to get here? And I think it kind of happened for me. It kind of happened towards the end. And then okay. I was hooked and I was like fell in love with the characters. Um, I don't know. I just felt like the story was a little slow. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that as well. I mean, it does focus on just two characters mm-hmm. alone all the time. It so almost feels that. like a domestic story where it's just them being in their house, doing their things and like learning to be with each other. Like it's not as like... Not necessarily high stakes as some of the other books, but, like, it's not, maybe not as plot heavy. Yeah. I guess we could say that. What about you, Seth? How did you like your reread? Wait, did <laughs> well, you, how many times have you reread this book, if ever? This is my first time rereading oh, okay. it, so I've only okay. read this two times. Um, the first time I read it when it came out, um, and then revisiting it now, like, I don't know how many years later, like, four or five but yeah, I enjoyed it the second time around, but like us, it took me a bit to get into it. But it didn't take me as long as it did U.S. I got into it maybe, like, around the point where um, he started treating her better. And, like, he kind of gave her the ultimatum, like, you either marry me or, like, I kill your people or, you know, marry me and I won't harm them. Um, so, you know, marriage is a convenience. Forced marriage is kind of my shit. So I was just, like, all on board. Um, and, yeah, I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the story. I liked how it had, like, a fairy tale set up with Nick's. Um, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. And I liked that it was like a slower paced book in the sense where it honestly just followed their day to day life. Um, because that's not something you get to see with Cressley Cole. It's usually like action packed. Let's consummate our relationship and then action packed again. And we talked about how Cressley Cole always skims over the honeymoon part of it. But I felt like this story very much was basically the kind of like the whole honeymoon period. I feel like I would agree with all that. Um, I, I, again, like you said, Seth, I don't think it took me quite as long as S to get into it, but I, I, like, the beginning to me was confusing. Like, I remember that because I was just having a hard time getting situated, I guess, maybe because it sort of takes place, like, because, like, obviously Lila's people come from one place, which is not Earth, but now she's on Earth and doing her thing and then there's the Nyx thing because like Nyx tricks them tricks many people (laughs) into essentially doing what she wants them to do she's just a mastermind is what she is she really is um and then obviously Cian is on you know the hell realm or whatever and then we're talking about like Thronos who is in on another hell realm where which by the way he brought all this his people so like they're no longer living in that like 
you know, what was it called? Sky Hall or something like that? They're no longer living there. Yeah, remember at the end of the book, it disintegrated and, like, they had to find a new home, so they settled on Pandemonium? Well, yeah, okay, wait, yes. But I just love that he brought them there, and then it just mentions that Cian sent their realm spinning. I know, so I'm just imagining this whole book. Like, they're just spinning and, like, trying to, like, survive. That's that's what I'm imagining. Um, so anyway, there was a lot of mentioning of places and people, especially people that we've never met, because obviously the last book, the previous book, sort of opened up a whole new cast of characters. So you, I was still trying to get used to those characters, if that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, um, you know, older characters coming back. Like, I got to see my girl Sabine. Yes. So, yeah, I was mostly, like, focusing on that, I would say, for the first half of the book. And then the second half is where I really actually got into Cien and Lila's story. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely not, like, one of my least favorite of the series. But can I just say, I loved that this book, while it was a Beauty and the Beast story, it still felt original. But I also loved that he stayed a beast in the end. I didn't even think about the fact that it was a Beauty and the Beast retelling. It didn't. It didn't really hit me. I thought it was kind of because they kept mentioning like Persephone, right, or something yeah. like that. Like they gave that vibe, Persephone and Hades. Yeah, I was also seeing that too. Like I was feeling Some, those like, vibes. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I I just wasn't really relating it to anything, but it does make sense. Like yeah, I can see if you say like Beauty and the Beast, I'm like yeah, I can definitely see how he's you know a beast. <laughs> um, but yes, I do love that in the end he sort of stays his beastly self I guess his devilish self because it was like a huge part of his story his like constantly putting himself down and being disgusted by what he is and what he looks like and what he's slowly becoming more and more and you know like you said the whole like cutting his own horns was to be more like the guys that his mate liked to be more human to be like hey I can fit in which did didn't Kate do the same thing? Like, didn't he cut one of his horns and then she was like, "What are you doing? Never do that again, right?" Yeah, he cut his horns at the end of the story because he thought that she would want someone that wasn't demon-like. Why, idiots? We want the devil. <laughs> we I don't know. want <laughs> human you. <laughs> yeah, but I think for Abyssian here, it was more so like he was kind of the only one in the realm and he was the only one that looked different and like he was trying to win his mate over and like I don't know I just feel like at 16 for him he didn't have the knowledge or like the awareness that like you know be yourself or you know if she doesn't accept you the way you are then she's a piece of shit well yeah it was it was way more deeply ingrained in who he is than it was like with Kate. Kate kind of just did it as like a shrugging it off like I thought you would want me without my horns type of thing but for yeah. for Cian it's like way deeper than that because it's like he's carried that image of himself for centuries if not more exactly and Cian did it knowing he would never be able to grow them back because he wasn't yeah. immortal at that point that makes me sad stupid Bobby. what's her name Karina Karen whatever Karen. her fucking name is <laughs> whatever her name is <laughs> yeah I love how now it's just whenever something, like, someone does something we disapprove of, it's just bitch-ass put the name. <laughs> like, insert yeah. name. Bitch-ass Kari. <laughs> bitch-ass Kari. <laughs> there you go, Kari. Can I, like, one thing I really, really loved about this book was the fact that the house, like, the castle is alive. It reminded me of the house oh. in Aquasive. Yeah. It did, right? Yeah. I was like, oh my god, the castle is alive. And the land, like even the realm, has the emotions, reflects the emotions of Sian, Like his yeah. own emotions and what he's going through. So like because he's like having all this like inner turmoil, then the land is like in turmoil, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, yeah. I loved how alive it was around, like around the place. No, I enjoyed that too, and I like that also when Lila becomes queen of Pandemonia, she also, the the realm also adapts her emotions and reflects it as well. I loved it. I just, I like that idea, and I like that um, the house is alive, and I love that it loved her. Yeah. Because he loved her. 
I and I just love that when he's trying to come back to his realm, the realm is closed to him. I know. <laughs> he just hits a wall. <laughs> I know. And then he just like rebounds back to like, uh, you know, the Moriar people. And then they're like, what the heck? What happened? And then Rune's like, let me try. And then like he also get rebounded back. It was just, it was great. But only our dragon shifter was allowed, you know, in oh. there and out there. I the love dragon. Him. He's he better get a book. He, he better needs get to get a book, and I need to know why he doesn't shift back to his human form. What did you think about um, Cian's treatment towards Lila at the beginning of the story? Like when he kept making her do menial tasks, like spinning yarn that he would obviously never use. He had no purpose for um, making her clean every room and then dirtying them back again. Like, how did you feel about that situation? I thought it was funny. I didn't think I didn't think it was like a horrible treatment compared to like the other books, the other heroes. Like I didn't compared think compared to Lothair. Come no, compared that, to this the was Greek. a vacation. <laughs> this was this was I feel like it was really mild. Like it wasn't right. It wasn't out there like, you know. Yeah. You thought that was horrible? Like that was a horrible thing for him to do to her? Uh no, I didn't. No, I didn't think it was horrible um behavior. I mean, from where he was mentally, I expected worse with how much he hated her and how much he despised her existence. But obviously, I think that was more his anger speaking than how he actually felt about Kari slash Lila. Um, and also, the way she handled it, I didn't find it anything wrong. Like, she was just, she was over it. She was just, her mentality and her attitude towards it was, like, what made me enjoy those scenes a lot more because of how, like, not cowardly she was. And, like, she was smart, and she became friends with the spiders. And I love Chippendale. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I would say the same. Like, it didn't bother me. Plus, there's a point where Cian says, like, that he has, like, a lifelong of hate that he's been all- holding on to for centuries. And he does mention multiple times in the book how he knows he needs to move forward and he's trying. He's really trying not to look back towards the past and to move forward and to, you know, accept things as they are and to accept that the past is the past. And yeah, I really think he's trying his best, you know, but it's not easy. And it, like, mm-hmm. I just think that it, in a way it is realistic how it does take him quite a while to just really put those things behind because it's like, yeah, it's not going to happen all of a sudden when he's yeah. had, he's, you know, this woman from the past has had such an impact on who he is, you know, which, of course, Lila, she's, you know, she, it wasn't her fault, but she does have the same face as, as that woman. And, you know, she is a reincarnation. So, of course, it's going to be hard for him to just overlook that and be like, yeah, you're a totally new person. Never mind. Like, it's a lifelong of hurt that he's carried because of it. So, yeah. So I just, to me, the difference between him and another character, maybe like McCree, for instance, or whatever. I don't want to throw McCree under the bus, but like, I, I do think that... As seeing, like, throw that bitch under the bus. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's throw him well, under. I think that the difference is that McCree was not necessarily making the conscious choice of changing. Whereas yeah. I do think that Cian, even when it was difficult, he wanted to move forward, which makes the whole difference for me. Yeah, I agree with that idea. He did want to change. And while, like you said, it was hard for him and there were obviously up until the 90% mark, he wasn't making any difference or like any change actually in himself. But just the idea of him wanting to be different and wanting to forget the past not forget but move past it yeah um yeah it made all the difference i agree can we um talk about the thing that shocked me the most not, not necessarily shocked but how Nick's... big his horns are oh <laughs> we can talk about how big his horns are <laughs> also the fact that he has a sixth toe <laughs> what? oh ew i see i mentally forgot oh that's that. right no and it's behind like like a bird <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe it's a talon i was i was picturing well, a talon yeah it's probably what it is but he he says toe but i'm like it's probably he like needs a bird. to make himself sound more sexy because he sounds he looks sexy in my head so he needs to not call it a toe or else that's a sixth toe is not gonna discourage me 
I if I can read about hot aliens with four fingers or three fingers, God forbid, <laughs> I can do a sixth though. Okay? Okay. 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 Sorry, I totally cut you off. Where were you going with this? Where was I going with this? You were just like, can we talk about? Oh, can we talk about Nick's and Orion? Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yes. Hello. Oh. I lost my shit. Literally at lost my shit at that last line when she says, <laughs> "Your move, Orion." I was like, "Yes." Bitch, no, and I'm it's not only that. that. <laughs> it's not only that. She looks up and smiles softly, and then she's like, "Your move." Mm-hmm. Like it's a game between. She them. knows their mates, right? She can't see her own future. She can't. No. So she has to know. I think they they know that they're each other's mates, which is why, like, I feel like they have this tension between the two despite them never meeting um it's foreplay yeah i just i love them i i already love them and we haven't met orion really like we've heard of him he's sort of a looming presence but he's sleeping right is that what it is like he's that's what i'm confused about because in this book they said he's sleeping um but in the previous book in rune's book he was in scenes with Rune and he was talking to Rune and telling him about you know the reason why you were chosen was because you're our archer so I don't know if he's sleeping and visits them yeah I don't know if that's what it was because they did say he's been sleeping for a long time but he could have we don't know what Orion is so he could very well be able to speak to people through their minds yeah I'm curious to know what he is though what do you think he is do you I don't know because he doesn't resemble any of the previous like species that we know about hmm what do you think s do you have any idea what you think he could be the god maybe i could see a god the main i could the see main a god because nyx wants to be a goddess of accession so it only makes sense that her mate would be of godly proportions as well <laughs> uh yes and i agree with that do you think like he could be like as like the like original god like the one where like he's like the origin story of the universe type god? I mean, he can destroy worlds, right? That'd be hot. <laughs> Not me romancing God. <laughs> I mean, we already romance Satan, so you know, God must be. I next. mean, I know, but that feels more wrong somehow because <laughs> you know, said, like God, the creator of the world. Not God. I went like mm, hot. <laughs> I'm here for it, you know? It sounds interesting. I feel like he should be a god. He should be as important as she is. Because that just makes sense. They're mates. And if he is a god, it would make sense why he was... He he could potentially be able to speak to people without actually being present. Because he'd be like this omnipresent thing. And also why he feels the need to play god and destroy worlds. Also true. And save lives. But you know what was interesting in this book? Um, Cian was actually talking about the war against Nyx and, and the lore. And he was saying how, to him, it's really all about perspectives. Because to yeah. him, they are doing the right thing. Because Nyx is trying to bring on the apocalypse. And he's like, we don't, we don't want that. So to him, they're like, we're saving the world. What are you talking about? But to the lore, it's like, no, you're invading and trying to murder all of us and create a war. And enslave us. Yeah. And he's like, no, you need control. You need, you know, someone that can guide you in the right direction. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's all about perspective. So would this be like their first accession, like being a part of it? Because there's been accessions before, so it's like them is it their first time meeting budding in they've been traveling in the ether the else realms or whatever for a long time so yeah i think this could be the first one that they're involved in isn't that insane how the series started off as literally lock lane hunting down emma in the streets (laughs) of paris and here we are, like, worlds, like, different worlds, different realities. We're sort of in space in some parts. Like, it's just, it's gotten so wide. Don't you think? Like, it's so far from where it starts. 
That's yeah. the beauty of series, I feel like. And I think I remember us talking about it before, but it's like how like it wasn't just blink and it's, you know, we're here. It was like step by step, each book by each book, new characters introduced and like little like plot points like were woven into the story. And then now when you look at it as like a the whole picture, you're like, what the heck? Like, when did this happen? And how like, are we not confused? I, I like I honestly am like shocked. That I'm not confused. Just imagine someone that picks the first book and then picks the last book and just reads those. Yeah. (laughs) They'd be so lost. Confused. But I just think it's kind of incredible. Like, I love to get to this point in a long series like this and take a step back and just look at how far we've come from where it started. Like, that is, to me such a joy as a reader to like witness to see not just Mm -hmm. and and sometimes not just the world but even just how the author themselves have evolved their writing their you know character development everything how it's all Mm -hmm. evolved throughout the series to arrive to the point that you're at you know I just I love that I love that and I love that we we've done this I know you know that we've read every book and I just I'm curious to see where else the series can go I just feel like the options are endless with Cressley Cole to be honest so the next book is gonna be Monroe's yeah how is he gonna play into this world I don't know now I that's why like that's what everyone's saying They're, they're like I don't know how he fits into the bigger picture here now when you, you yeah. think there might be like a connection with what's the other girl that's in it Electa um isn't it Kirani Remember, we met her in the end of McCree's book. Uh, well, you know what? I feel like it's going to be the same sort of instance as... Remember when we read, or we were we were about to read uh, Gareth's book? Remember how we were all like, well, maybe except Seth, because Seth had read it already. But remember how we were like, why are we going back to these characters yeah. that we've met at the very beginning? Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. Because at that point in the series with Rydstrom and Cade, we had started a, sort of a new arc of the series at that point. But then we went back to older characters and felt really, really weird. But in the end, it totally makes sense because it was a key point in the story and it brought on elements that, you know, resurfaced later on and made... The whole series makes sense. So I do think that it could be that sort of, you know, that 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 could happen again with Monroe's book where it's like, it feels weird at first, but then we'll understand what needed to be there in the series later on. Yeah, that's a good catch. Okay, I'm excited. I'm like, I've been excited for Monroe's book and I'm curious to see where the series is going to go in terms of like what other things are going to be introduced and future pairings and when we're gonna find fury because that poor poor girl has been in that water i i really want her book like really want her book and i really want it to be with Kristoff. you think it's gonna it are they a thing or is this just kind of what you want oh I no mean, this is what fans I'm making think. it a thing if it's not oh. <laughs> <laughs> no fans are very much like i don't know if crusty cole confirmed their mates or whatever but everyone seems to be shipping them i, but I also feel like i don't remember what book it was but i i feel like there was something said about that like not them being mates but them being equals or them being whatever there was like a weird sentence yeah. at one point they but... were connected in some book yeah in some way i i feel like personally going forward i mean obviously there's a whole bunch of characters that we've just met so i can't really speak on them but for me personally the two ships that i'm most excited for right now it's fury and Kristoff, possibly mm-hmm. And Nyx and Orion. Those are those are the two ships that I'm like, please give it to me now. Thank you. Well, Nyx and Orion will not happen until like the very last book. I know the so. last book. She said it wouldn't be. Yeah, whatever. I can still be excited for yes. more stuff. All right. Yes, I'm also Thank excited. <laughs> what about us? It would be Orion and Nyx, but then I would yeah. really want Uther to get a book. Oh, oh yes i feel like Baby it Dragon, would be so yes. fun to read about him yeah yeah that's true he's just a I great character and i love that he was like you know what you do you and but i'm just saying mm-hmm. you're being a jackass like come on be there and like just forgive lila and just you know but let me watch my soaps that was one of my favorite things <laughs> about like the friendships between uther rune and um abyssian yeah Mm -hmm. like they were kind of like they didn't like baby him too much like they wanted him to kind of like figure it out himself but then kind of like true knocked him upside the head like you know get it together you love this woman 
I would say that that's kind of across the board for most male friendships in the series. Like, they're not encouraging them into being alpha assholes and, you know, I don't know. Like, I just, I feel like they're not, they're trying to always be like, hey, you're being an asshole right now. Mm -hmm. Maybe you shouldn't. (laughs) And that's important, you know, call your... You know, call out your guys when they're being assholes, please. I agree with that. And I feel like when male characters are very, like, uber asshole alpha guy, they don't necessarily have a lot of friends or, like, a lot of, I guess, male friends or any friends in general, I would say. Um, And I love that Cressley Cole sees that and she's like, you know what? No, my guys have friends and they have people that actually give them good advice. So here you go. And she does that. And I also feel like J.R. Ward does a really good job of, like, showing brotherhood and showing like friendships between guys and like I just feel like you know you could be an alpha and still have a good support system but I also feel like it goes deeper than that because like yeah sure it's important for them to have friends blah blah blah, but you know toxic masculinity is a thing and it is a thing in this series as well obviously but I I think that it's important to show that in this case sure their ladies let them know you're being toxic as toxic as fuck right now and i won't stand for it but why should that always be the responsibility of the woman you have friends your friends should be telling you you're being an asshole do something about it you know so i love that you do get that in this series where it's like no i'm not gonna help you be an asshole yeah you're just digging yourself a hole right now Mm -hmm. and you're making yourself unhappy and i won't help you no agreed so it's important for men to call out other men I agree. And Thank I feel you. like that doesn't necessarily happen in a lot of other books that I've read. And and I and like I applaud Cressy Cole for having that in her stories. And while some of her characters are complete toxic assholes that you never want to be around, <coughs> um, you just No, you didn't. No. <laughs> Even even Lachlane had uh, brothers and cousins telling exactly. him he was being an asshole. That's where I was so. getting at. He still had people giving him wake-up calls <laughs> and calling him out on his bullshit. And uh-huh. I love that even in the first book, we've had that. And you know what? Growth. Because was it in Gareth's book that Lachlane calls him? And Lachlane is the one giving the reasonable yes um, you know advice yes. and we were all like oh my god Michael, <laughs> look at your growth no and i honestly feel like for him it needs like it'll happen in time i just feel like where he was mentally in this first book like i'm not calling him out as like just because you know i don't like him i honestly feel like he's grown as a person and like marge said in gareth's book you see the change and it's just gonna keep getting better from there oh i know this <laughs> i'm glad that you girls figured it out <laughs> She's like, it was just you two that was, you know, doubting it. <laughs> this is great. I love it. No, but it's true. It's true. We shit on Lachlan a lot. It's just funny to do so. But, like, it is true that he's changed. And where we meet him in his book, like, he's the first one in the series. That's Those are tough shoes to fill. Because you're setting up an entire yeah. series. Yeah. And he was broken as hell. <laughs> so And his mate was a vampire. So, yes, I understand. I feel like we've tolerated worse than him at this point. Yeah, we have. Definitely. How, okay, I'm totally switching gears, but it's kind of like still in the zone of friendships or whatever. Um, with Lila, she's grown up fearing the Moriar and fearing Rune, and she's had nightmares where she dies by Rune's arrows. I just, I love, what I loved about that is that she was afraid of them and never wanted to see the Moriar, but I love that she had to take a moment and, kind of watching on like the friendship with is it Uther uh Rune and Sian and just like see them and Joe as well like see them and she recognizes them as more human-like like they're not like monsters to be feared she actually had to recognize the wrongness of her own upbringing because of all the stories that she was told and get to know them as people and I really liked that she had that own personal growth within herself and also she kind of faced her own monster, her own boogeyman of sorts. Do you want to get into the monster then? Because that's kind of adjacent to that, isn't it? S, do you have any? Um, I think for Cian, I wrote down that his monster was like his past and wanting revenge. Yeah, I have that as well. Against um, that Karen bitch, whatever her name is. 
Um, the Karen bitch. <laughs> it, what is it? Is it Kira? It's Kira? It's Kari. Kariana, Kari. I think. Kari. What happened was that he betrayed, like, his kingdom, right? Like, a lot of people died because of the secrets that he ended up telling her. So I feel like that carried on and affected his relationship with Lila. I think that both of them have felt extremely isolated their whole lives. You know, Lila, she was exiled from from her land, her realm. Um, and she she kind of never felt like she was good enough for her people. Um, and similarly, Sian never felt like he was good enough. He because like we said, he always felt like his demonish side was something to be ashamed of and that he, you know, should try and and hide or or destroy or whatever. Um, so both of them, I feel like we're extremely lonely as a result and, and isolated from from everyone and everything. Even though they had friends, that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't feel exactly. lonely, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I do feel like they connected on that front. Um, yeah, that shared loneliness. I agree with that. And feeling of just not fitting mm-hmm. in. And um, for also for Sian, I also saw his lack of confidence and self-esteem in himself with his new looks. Um, really played a part in kind of like halting their story because he kept second guessing every time, you know, she would get aroused or every time that she would, you know, say that he was like, you know, she was attracted to him or whatever. Like he constantly second guessed everything in terms of his looks and if Lila would ever regard him as attractive because he saw her as like this uber beautiful person um, and he just never thought he could compare even before he started turning into you know, the hell version of himself. And yeah, I just felt like he had to start loving himself in order to find peace in that. And yeah, I think slow, I don't even think he's reached to that point yet. I feel like more so he finally accepted that Lila does love him the way he looks in his demonish ways, but he hasn't really, I don't think, loved his new look. Because like you said, he hasn't even mm. looked in a mirror for how many years? Um, so yeah, I don't know. That what, That's what I felt their monster was. On top of, like, him unable to accept the past. It's interesting, though, how the demons feel that way more so than anyone else. I think it stems from their their past, because let's not forget, a lot of the demons were slaves. And not just mm. in the Sylvan realm, but also in other realms. That's interesting. So it's, like, internalized. Yeah, stuff. and, I mean, if you're told something as many times as they were, I think you just learn to accept it or believe it yourself. I mean, even Thronos, to a certain extent, he's technically not a demon, yeah. although um, Lenthi would tell you otherwise. But, <laughs> you know, he, too, kind of felt that way. He had some some issues with how he looked or how what, you know, the demons were like yeah. because he was scared of identifying with the demons. Yeah, and because he viewed them as inferior and... We started the series thinking vampires were inferior or the ones that were most hated, but I honestly feel like, like you said, it was the demons that had more internalized struggles within themselves. Well, actually, do you guys even remember that we started the series with vampires who didn't drink blood from live beings? Yeah. Like the whole Kristoff? Doesn't that feel like it was ages ago? Yeah. Yeah, and we're probably going to revisit Kristoff with Fury, and he's going to be, like, drinking, like, guzzling blood from his little goblet. Probably, but I had forgotten that that was a whole thing, to be honest, that, like, some of the vampires were like, nope, you should not drink from real people. That's absolutely terrible. Your eyes are going to turn red, and then you're going to be evil. But I just think it's funny that, like, they call bullshit so quick and just end up drinking from their mate's neck. Right? (laughs) Because that's wh- that's probably why it feels so foreign to me now. Because it's like they've all ended up drinking from their yeah. mates, <laughs> so it's a thing of the past. Yeah. Anything else? Um, for Lila, I didn't really find a monster for her in terms of like her day to day or like her personality. Because like for me, you can't really fault her for not trusting Cian enough to tell him the truth and like why she originally got kidnapped, quote unquote. Um, because it was a fixed kidnapping. She knew it was going to happen. Um, because she knew 
that, like, she called out on his inability to ever look past his trauma and, like, what Kari did to him. Like, she knew at the back of her mind that, like, she would lose him as soon as she told him anything. And maybe it could have went a bit differently if she did tell him, you know, that she was planning to betray him and not him finding out from invading her privacy and looking into her dreams. Um, But I don't know. I just feel like you can't really fault her for not saying the truth. No, I would agree with that. Like, beyond just what I said of, like, her feeling like she's not yeah. good enough, I can't really think of anything else. Can it be maybe that she was too trusting of Seth? And the fact that that was her cousin? Ew, okay, I but- <laughs> I removed that from my mind. But then, was she, though? Because I do feel like she... I, when I was reading the book, I was like, oh, is she, like, going to keep on believing that he's right and Sian is wrong or something? But she didn't, you know, she, I, I, it, it didn't come to that. She realized pretty quickly that, like, Seth was full of shit and that he had betrayed her. I don't think she was, like, necessarily in love with him or wanted to be with Seth because she knew no. from the get-go, like, he's not going to be a faithful husband and any of that. And she was looking for love. But I think with him... The reason why she was so quick to agree to this betrayal of Sian is because she always wanted to be queen and she always thought she would be queen. And I guess that stems from her past life as well with her actually becoming queen um, of the the other fae species. But also her purpose in life was to be the queen of hell. So I just feel like she just latched onto that idea of betraying Sian because of what she felt she was owed or like what she knew what she would become. Um, all right, so this is a- technically S's question from way episodes back. Way, 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 way back. Um, like, I don't even know, episode, like, what was it, book two or three or whatever. Anyways, she had asked us, what would be our Valkyrie name? And we've avoided this question, ladies and gentlemen. For a long time. For weeks and months. <laughs> yep. And now we year. can no longer avoid it. We have to answer it. It's the last book. we got to answer it. So. What would be your Valkyrie name? Uh, <laughs> since you proposed that question, yeah. how about you I'll respond go first? first? <laughs> so I tried, you know, picking out a name that's like badass and uh-huh. but um to stick to what I am and me and myself, I went with Stephanie the Anxious. Cause I am constantly Aww. anxious. And I feel like maybe that would help out in like some type of scenario where something goes down and I'm anxious and then try to figure out what's going on. And But you know what? Anxious people, speaking as an anxious person, <laughs> anxious people are prepared. True. So I feel like Stephanie the anxious would, in a battle, <laughs> think of all the possible options that could happen because that's what we anxious people do. I agree. We, just, we think of everything ahead of time. We're prepared. So, you know, it's not necessarily just about it. You know what's so funny? What? <laughs> my my name is literally kind of the same. And, like, my explanation is literally what you just said. Okay, I'm going with Sephra the Vigilant. So, it, originally Ooh. it was supposed to be Sephra the Wary. But I was like, let's let's have a positive spin on this. So, it was like Sephra the Vigilant. Um, so basically, I like I would have to know everything before agreeing to something, like before agreeing to a plan, because my anxiety kicks in, and I was like, I need to know what I'm setting myself up for. So I have to mentally yeah. prepare myself beforehand, and this could be good for a Valkyrie, since many of them are impulsive and get into situations where you know, if they knew beforehand what was going on, they may not have been in that situation. And if we're in battle, I need to know everything and every possible outcome. So except for the vigilant, I like that name though. I like it. Me too. Mine just sounds wishy-washy now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so mine is Marjorie the Ever Dreaming. And let me explain that Ooh. one because it is bittersweet, all right? I like it. Okay, let's So, Ever Dreaming, which I thought of because I was like, ever since I was a kid, I've always had like a really big imagination. Like I'm very creative and it's it's me. It's my yeah. DNA. It's what I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like as a kid, I would make up like false scenarios and stories just to soothe myself type mm-hmm. of thing. And then obviously it evolved into just me, you know, wanting to be a writer and whatever. So there's that. 
And also, like, I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm creative and stuff, but then I just rip off uh, Nix's name, the ever knowing. <laughs> <laughs> like, how creative is that? I mean, you could be the, the goddess of dreams. Could be. Uh, but the bittersweet to that is, and, and the thing is that, like, with all the Valkyrie names, or at least the ones that I can think of, it's like a blessing and a curse yeah. at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's good, but it's bad. And the bad part of it for me is that it's ever dreaming because I'm very bad at actually making my dreams reality like I'm very very bad at actually putting time and effort into the things that matter Mm -hmm, to me mm -hmm. so a lot of my dreams sort of just stay dreams and I don't realize them and then where it gets (laughs) wishy-washy is that this podcast is actually one of the things that I actually made reality and I don't do this often but it's like the one thing that I was like I really want a podcast and I actually made it you did you did oh that was gonna be my tears I know right I'm tearing up too (laughs) bring out the tissue I mean my original name if you want to know was Seth the dick the dick connoisseur (laughs) the the dick connoisseur (laughs) I didn't go with that I love it. I I love that this podcast was a thing, though. I really do appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still think that Marjorie of the Superior Taste was a great choice, but the girls did not let me have that. Because one. who's to Which... say your taste was superior? Me and everyone else. Who's <laughs> <was> everyone else? <laughs> I know everyone else. <laughs> Anywho, so we've read a billion books. A Hunger Like No Other was our very first episode we ever posted. And now we are here with Wicked Abyss. And I want to know, because S told me earlier that this was a first for her, that she read like a huge series like that and completed it, which is a feat in and of itself. Wow. <laughs> to be I honest. didn't know. So my question is, what do you think you'll take away from this experience? So for Seth, since it's not your first time reading it, Maybe it's something to do with the fact that we recorded mm-hmm. these, that we, you know, turned this into a podcast. Yeah. Um, or maybe it's just something to do with the series. But, like, essentially, five years from now, when you think of Immortals After Dark and this experience, what will you think of is my question. And I'm trying to be, like, wishy-washy sappy for the end of this um, <laughs> series because, like, why not? <laughs> so, like you said, it was my first time reading it, but I felt like... Um, with this read and it being our first book on the podcast and I don't know I had to quickly learn how to change the way I read and Mm. I've become more analytic and like more detailed in my reading and I paid attention to a lot of more like a lot more things and it's completely altered the way I read and I really appreciate that because I felt like before I was just turning the pages and like reading it in the moment and like just you know not really taking anything away from it but I felt like mm-hmm. this experience taught me how to do that. And also, I'll just, like, remember us. Like, I just, I just feel like every time I think of the series now, I'll just think of romancing the We monsters. won't exist in five years from now. We're no! Gone. No, <laughs> we're still going to be exist. here. But, like, you know, I just, just... Anytime I look at it, I just think of us. I think of the three of us yeah. just, like, talking about jizz on the, the street, <laughs> jizz in the water, like, sure. horns. <laughs> I, like, I just think of the us yeah and uh I, okay what you when you asked for like a takeaway I honestly thought mm-hmm. like what what's one moral or like what's one thing from the series you'll like pull away from the Oof. series I don't think there's a moral to the <laughs> I series. mean <laughs> but this is what I got okay and not that okay. you guys need to answer okay. this because you know whatever I just don't let your pride and prejudice <laughs> interfere I didn't understand the assignment okay let me just answer (laughs) anyways so in terms of the series itself taking away like what I like what you know us and like everything involving reading or like the process or whatever I'm taking away with me that it's okay to want that happily ever after and be a strong woman like it's okay to want to be independent and also feel deserving of love heck yeah love that that is a that is a good moral that is a good takeaway (laughs) thanks and I, and also like while there's nothing wrong with just reading for the sake of reading. Yeah, just, no, you know, I love doing that too. But it is it's true that it does like an experience like this where you actually have to sit every week with your friends and like dissect a novel 
it really does bring you a new appreciation because you notice things that otherwise you wouldn't yeah. be noticing or um, there's like a continu- continuity between each book and like how did that evolve and like you just you question things that you usually you wouldn't question so that and is also true. talking with you girls I feel like I found a new appreciation for not just the series but like in general a lot of other books that we've read because like mm-hmm. I hear your perspectives and they're different than mine and your life experience obviously shadows your own experience with the book and I don't know I just feel like you learn different things about a series that you might not have thought about before um I feel like for me the takeaway is uh firstly kind of like putting myself out there like with this podcast and I feel like throughout the years I feel like I've kind of closed myself off so this was a, a thing that uh was a bit of a challenge so I don't know if you girls know sometimes I get really nervous and we've been doing this for I don't know how many freaking episodes and I still get nervous <laughs> And then also finishing a long series because usually um, yeah. I'll start a series and then I'll forget and I'm like, oh, I'll go back to it. And mm-hmm. I usually don't. So that was a big challenge for me to actually read through a whole series, which is what, 17, 18 books now. And just getting to do this with you girls and discuss them. <laughs> so <that's, laughs> I'm going to start crying. <laughs> well, I'm happy you put yourself out there and like, you know, you're doing this podcast with us and like we're doing it together and. I'm also someone that, like, you know, beforehand, I was kind of not ashamed, not necessarily. I was more, like, conservative or, like, reserved. I was more reserved in terms of, like, who I said, like, who I told, what books I read or, like, things like that. But now I'm more, like, yeah, I read romance, so what? And, like, I love it and I celebrate it and I love that this podcast is all about positive portrayals of, like, everything and just, like, positively speaking about things that people shun or like things that people don't deem as actual books another takeaway anyways moving on to March (laughs) so mine may be a little bit less emotional but I was wishy-washy with my Valkyrie name so it's fine (laughs) mine is honestly I feel like five years from now you're if you tell me like Immortals After Dark I think that the thing that I will think of is Presley Cole's fearlessness as a writer. That really struck me as a reader because we shouldn't take this for granted because more and more writers are, they're hitting a wall of just what is proper nowadays Mm -hmm. and what's what you can and can't write and just the internet screaming at you. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And you have a writer like Cressley Cole who, no matter if I liked the book or not, she takes steps and she takes them boldly. Yes. And to me, especially as an aspiring writer, that is so incredibly amazing and important to see that yeah. she can be successful. She's incredibly successful. And yet, at least from the exterior, it seems like she's just bold as fuck with what she does. You know, her characters do messed up things, but she's like, I'll make it work. Just watch me. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I don't know, maybe as the writer herself, maybe she hesitates, you know, maybe it's not as easy. But at the end of the day, it feels to me like she has this like fuck off button on her desk and she's like, fuck off. (laughs) I'm doing this the way that I want to do it. And you're just going to have to follow me along for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just admire that so much. And that is, to me, a strength. And something that's special about the series. Every book has that. Every book. Yeah. And so, yeah, I feel like that's what I'm taking away from it. It's like, you can do that. Don't listen to Twitter. Oh, God. (laughs) Twitter. (laughs) You know, just write what you want to write. Because that's what, I feel like that's what transpires. It's like, it's a woman that's just writing whatever the fuck she wants to write yeah. and that's freaking amazing yeah. and empowering as you know another woman who wants to write stories agreed anyways let's walk away from this and rank some people <laughs> <laughs> so okay the last time all right let's oh. rank who's first you go first okay so in 13th place we have naomi 12 is emma 11 is lengthy in 10th place, we have Daniela and Josephine. In 9th place, we have Caro. 8 is Lila. 
Seven is Chloe. Sixth is both Lucia and Katerin. And then fifth is Mary Ketta. Four, Holly. Third is Mist and Ellie. Second is Reagan. And first, the queen, <laughs> Sabine. All right. All right. Us, you want to go next? I'll go next. Um, <laughs> so 15, Naomi. 14, Daniela. 13, Lanthi. 12, Chloe. 11th, Mist. 10th, Katerin, ninth Sabine, eighth Carol, seventh Elizabeth, sixth Emma, uh, fifth Reagan, fourth Joe and Lila, uh, three Lucia, two Holly, and for and first place Maricetta. All right. <laughs> what was that? I just feel like Ellie deserves higher than Emma. That's all I wanted to say. Oh God. Um. Anyways, go on with your list. <laughs> You know that saying where it's like, if eyes could shoot daggers, that's that, that was, was the what facial that was. expression. <laughs> She's shooting daggers at me. Uh, okay, okay. Um, so my list goes uh, 12 Naomi, 11 spot goes to Emma, 10th to Danny, 9th spot goes to Lanthi, 8th goes to Lucia, or Lucia, Lucia, and 7 goes to Caro. Sixth spot is a tie between Holly and Chloe. Fifth spot is Mist and Katerin. And fourth is Joe and Lila. Uh, third spot goes to Sabina Mariquetta. Second, Reagan. And first spot is Elizabeth. I feel like Katerin is really high on that list. Katerin was originally in fourth spot with Joe. But then Lila wow. came around and she got pushed to fifth. So you really like Katerin. I really liked her, yeah. The men. In last place. <laughs> surprise, surprise. We know who's going to be. King of losers. No, <laughs> Go on. But with a redemption arc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lachlan. In 12, we have Murdoch. 11 is a tie between Sebastian and Conrad. 10 is Malcolm. 9 is McCreeve. 8 is, is Thronos. Seven, we have a tie between Rune and Cian. Six is Bowen, Bichas Bowen. Fifth <laughs> is Cade. Fourth is Gareth. Third is Nikolai. Second is Wrightstrom and Lothair. And first, I've decided to keep it as Declan. I'm shocked again to see Cian so low on your list. Well, he's with Rune. But I feel like he was... Loads better than rare. They were about the same for me. Okay. <laughs> All right. So 15th, Thronos. 14th, McGreef. 13, Murdoch. 12, Conrad. 11th, Sebastian. 10th, Lothair. 9th, Nikolai. Wait. <laughs> 8th, Malcolm. 7th, Declan. 6th, Rystrom. 5th, Lackland. 4th, Rune and Abyssian. 3rd, uh, Cade. 2nd, Gareth. And 1st, Bowen wasn't Gareth first a couple weeks ago. Him, they switched off. Uh huh. But Bowen, I mean, see, you don't even have an actual first. They keep switching. Well, no, this is our final decision. This is yeah. this is final. She can't change it ever again. Whatever. I'll I'll stop the judgments. I just, I guess, be grateful. My man's in the top ten. Twelfth goes to Lock Lane. Eleventh. That's fine. Thronos. Ten spot goes to Murdoch. Ninth goes to Sebastian and Rune. They're total opposites, but they're there. Um. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, like the men whore with the cute little virgin boy. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't match. <laughs> no, but they're there for different reasons. Um, yeah, yeah. Eighth is Nikolai. Seventh is Gareth and McGreeve. Sixth spot goes to Cade. Fifth goes to Malcolm. Fourth goes to Rydstrom, and third goes to Bowen and Cian. I don't know why I said and. Second goes to Conrad and Declan, and first goes to my man Lothair. Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> All right, this is it, folks. <laughs> the last one. Last book in the Immortals After Dark series until Monroe. Oh, of course. If you have any thoughts, if you want to share with us your own ranking of the characters, please feel free to do so. You can reach us online on a lot of places. 
<laughs> we're everywhere. You can reach us on Twitter at the RTM Pod. You can reach us on Instagram at Romancing the Monsters Podcast. We are on Twitter. No, I just said that. We are on TikTok at um, Romancing the Monsters Pod. And we also have YouTube, by the way. If you need captions or you prefer captions while listening to podcasts, you can go on YouTube. Just search Romancing the Monsters Podcast and it should pop up. And we have a lot of episodes on there, but we're slowly getting caught up to where we are now. Am I forgetting anything else? No. Email. Did you say email? Email. You can email us as well on Romancing the Monsters Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to reach me, you can reach me on both Twitter and Instagram at Foes and Lovers. And you can reach me as on both Instagram and Twitter at But This Book. And if you want to talk to me somewhere, somehow, you can reach me on Instagram and Twitter at Pose with Woes. Um, And also, if you liked this episode or any episode prior to this or just want to, you know, comment, um, feel free to like or give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or any podcast service out there. We're basically on all of them. Um, So yeah, it just really means a lot to us if you just rate us, give us a comment, like us or whatever. We'd be grateful. Um, and yeah, check this space and our other social media platforms to find out what our next series will be. See you next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.